Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome, everyone, to a very special edition of AEW Unrestricted. Tony Schiavone, along with my good friend, Aubrey Edwards. Hey, Tony. Hey, how are you? I'm doing okay, all things considered. All things considered. Normally, at this time, we would have a a podcast, uh, a new podcast. Yeah. It it kind of didn't really make a lot of sense this week to release something new. I think everyone's kind of in the camp of, let's remember the awesome person that Brody is. Yeah. And we had the fortunate opportunity to sit down with him and yeah. have a talk and for those that listen to or watch the podcast like we just laughed the whole time yeah that's right and i know for me it's been really healing to go back and watch that and just like his laugh is so infectious right and so i'm hoping that by re-releasing the podcast I, that maybe people would find some healing in it right so we are going to re-release the uh, brody podcast the one that we did uh actually just a just a oddly enough and sadly enough a few days before he got sick mm-hmm uh, and he talks about his family, obviously, and he talks about being in AEW, and it, it was it was special for him, and it was special for us mm-hmm. uh, for to have Brody with us. Uh, you got any memories of him you want to share? Yeah, I've got um, I've got two. I didn't really have a lot of opportunities to hang out with Brody. We did a couple matches. Right. Um, I think I did like his first few matches in Atlanta when we did the six episodes of TV in one day. But there were two that really stick out to me the dog collar match promo where he's literally screaming into the camera and he throws silver and Reynolds around. He, uh, as soon as it wraps up, he's just clearly like, ah! like his throat is just wrecked because he's been going crazy. Right. And I'm in medical getting something worked on and Brody comes in and he's like, do you have throat spread? And he just sounds like a smoker. I'm like, what's, what's up, man? He goes, I just yell all the time. So I like brought him some tea the next week and he's like, Oh, you remembered. Just like mm-hmm. a cute little thing. Right. Another one, I, I kind of greet people backstage with this shitty super kick where I'll just like kick and then slap my leg. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, what's up? Kick, kick, kick. So I did it to Brody and then he did it back and his eyes light up like a kid on Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what happened? He goes, did you hear that? I've been wearing jeans for 10 years. I got pants now. That sounds so good. And he just literally started super kicking everybody around him yeah. and just oh, so great. And yeah. of course, he has that that laugh, the sure. signature Brody laugh right. that was so, so great. He, his character on TV was always menacing. Yes, but in real life, he was one of the one of the sweetest. Far from yeah. far from menacing, right? Uh, which is wonderful. I uh, Cody screen, uh, sent me a screenshot of a text that he had sent to Cody the same day we did the podcast mm-hmm. after we finished. Yeah, and this means a lot. I'm glad Cody sent it. Brody uh, texted Cody. He said, "Tony Schiavone is a top human being." Mm-hmm. Cody said, "What did he do?" He said, "He did did the pod with him yesterday, and he's just such a good, genuine dude." I could talk wrestling with him for hours. He's a huge piece of history and gets it when some of these kids would be wise to listen to him. I'm happy he got to rediscover wrestling with AEW, and I'm happy I've gotten to know him. Oh, that's just that is that's Brody. That's Brody. Yeah. So like the fact that that's not that's not out of character, right? No. Like that's totally expected. Like of course Brody sends like a nice yeah. little message after. Right. And that means a lot to me uh, now. It means so much to me because of what has happened, but uh, 
it just shows you what type of person, how much we all miss him. So He's such a great guy. Yeah. So yeah. I think uh, everyone listening, if you've listened to it before, listen to it again. Everybody listening will see what type of person he is and how much fun we had talking to him. Thanks, everybody. It's Thursday. You know what that means. It's Thursday, and you know what that means. Mm-hmm. We've got Brody Lee yeah. on the podcast. Well, you normally yeah. don't start that way, but I felt like it would be weird if we didn't start the podcast with you that way. I mean, anyway. I just I just discontinued it, so probably good what? time to... Yeah. Bullshit. Anyway, this is AEW Unrestricted. Hi, everyone. I'm Aubrey Edwards with my lovely co-host, Tony Schiavone. Lovely. How you doing, you bitch? <laughs> Wait, you talking who, to me? Who, who are you talking to? <laughs> Which I talk, one? I was talking to Aubrey because before we started rolling tape here, she was giving me a hard time. Uh, so I, I was giving you a hard time because you weren't getting your shit together. Like, we already started 15 minutes late, and I'm dealing with your bullshit. Yeah, Tony was late. All right. <laughs> Tony was late. <laughs> well, uh, hey, Brody, sorry you had to get involved in this, but it's good to see you, my friend. How you doing? Hey, good to see you, too. You know, I appreciate uh, that I could accommodate you guys. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week on Unrestricted. You're welcome. welcome. I had such a fun time last time while driving in a car, trying to not die. I actually decided to uh, be stationary for this one. Yes. Yeah, you told us before your eight-year-old son was sleeping with the TNT title. How did he take (laughs) the fact that you don't have it anymore? How did he take to that? So, as you know, in that match, I was quite injured, looked horrible. Yeah, it it was probably not what an eight-year-old wants to see. And he cried, cried. But the only thing he mentioned was not my health, not was not was dad okay. It was you lost the title, hmm. so he took it uh, very roughly. Yeah, yeah. The kid understands the importance of the belt. He then turns and said, "Well, now you need to take the tag team title because that's what you do now. You take titles." <laughs> And I said, you're you're, going to grab it and leave. I said, bro, you're a great booker. You're hired. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the dog collar match, because it was insane and it was bloody and extremely, extremely well done. Like you and Cody have amazing chemistry. The storytelling was fantastic. Sorry you lost. But I mean, ultimately, the match was super, super memorable. So how does something like that come together? Did Cody propose it? Did you propose it? Give us a little bit of behind the scenes. Yeah, a very actually roundabout cool story. Um, one of my favorite matches of all time is Piper versus Valentine, 1983, the dog collar yeah. match, hey, which I've watched enough. tons of millions of times. So when discussion of what should the big match be that we do, I almost jokingly threw out, let's do a dog collar match. And everyone goes, yeah, that's a great idea. And I was like, oh my God. So then the day of, they say, hey, Valentine's coming and he wants to talk to you. So, you know, it was unreal. He, you know, then after the match, he pulled us aside, put the match over, said how impressed he was, like how, how much he loved it. And I, like, it was crazy. And then they had that great shot of him at the end right? of him just applauding. I haven't watched the match back. I've only seen clips because I don't want, I just want to leave it as it is. It feels very special to me. Uh, it also sucks the result. So I'm going to leave it where it is for a little while. I'll get, I'll get vodka drunk at some point and watch it back <laughs> late at night. I like the but specific yeah. vodka drunk. <laughs> Uh, Tito's only. Tito's only. <laughs> but I, we just got off of a phone call about not, you know, the sponsorship. So I wanted to be careful, just say a very general vodka. There you but go. But if Tito's vodka wanted to sponsor me, I'd be very happy about that. Well, they are the vodka for dog lovers, as you can hear in the background already, right? I have I have the dog dish. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and it says that. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a tremendous match, but 
Brody, it was also a dangerous match. You guys, and, yep. and I know, you know, you, you, we, we all kind of talked about it beforehand, the length of the chain and so many parameters, so many things yeah. can go wrong and something like that. I mean, that was a dangerous thing to get into. Yeah, a couple of weird things. Uh, we were presented a couple of different chains and options, and we went with what you saw on TV, mainly because it looked good on TV. That was not beneficial to my neck to have right. that strapped around me and then carrying around for 20 minutes while another man is trying to kill me define like how a chain (laughs) looks good on tv versus not bigger and makes better sound makes sense okay which in turn hurts more yeah no totally so i did this for the fans i just want them to know that (laughs) (laughs) but i i um i talked to a few people a few days after the match i ride peloton a lot and the day i think thursday i don't know if it was thursday or friday I quit a ride for the first time. I was about 20 minutes in. I said, I can't do this. And my body was just not proper. Um, I think I'm slowly getting, just two weeks out now, and I'm slowly getting normal again, worked out. But like, I, th- I think I left a piece of me in there. So, oh, damn. But yeah, but I'm happy with it. Yeah. <laughs> so AEW has been really great opportunity to let you shine on the microphone. Mm-hmm. Talk about having the creative freedom. It's unreal. Um, it's nerve wracking. Um, I think I mentioned it before, the anxiety and stuff like that of now there's no, uh, there's nobody to blame. There's nobody to say, hey, you, you weren't good because someone wrote this for you. It's now, hey, you wrote this, you performed it and it sucked or it was amazing, either, you know, either way. But like you now have to be prepared to deal with that kind of stuff and I am. I'm ready for it. That's what I've always wanted. Uh, I talked about the dog collar match. These are the moments and the kinds of things that I yearned for for years. I wanted to be a professional wrestler. I wanted to be a successful professional wrestler. And I wanted to get into these gritty and grimy feuds that have these crazy matches that mean something. And I was never given that opportunity at the other place. And I've already been given that opportunity several times here. Let's talk about the development of the, of, uh, the Exalted One mm-hmm. and... You know, this is uh, this was a storyline we had heard about a lot going forward in, in AEW in its first year. And, and then all of a sudden, it's Mr. Brody Lee, who's the exalted one. When did you find out that was going to be your your character coming into AEW? Um, it had been mentioned to me as kind of a, an option, but not a clear direction mm-hmm. until a few weeks before. And then they were kind of deciding to debut me and Matt on the same day in Rochester. So it kind of all fell together at the same time and was pretty crazy opportunity to have to be in my hometown to re-debut and to like almost be born again. As for the character, I was a little unsure of it just because I have never done anything like that. So being a background dancer for so long, you, you get bits and pieces from people and you try to put the best foot forward that you can as a leader now. So I tried to do that on stage and backstage also. Uh, and then I was termed a leader by somebody in the office a few weeks ago, and I was appalled that they would ever have said that about me. Of course. Uh, but I think, I think at this point now, maybe that's where I'm getting to. So what was the decision to uh, sort of wear the suits? In... <laughs> there was a lot of the earlier promos had, had a very, very Vince vibe, obviously. Yes. And the suits have still become sort of the namestay, like, Brody Lee is a very well-dressed man. Yes. Once I wore that first suit, it felt good, but it didn't feel completely right. The Vince McMahon comparisons flew. That, that's all people talked about the first three to four weeks of my right. AEW career. And that yeah. became, I think, detrimental to me. And I didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't want it. So I tried to 
get away from the stuff that they were saying. So as opposed to a, a multicolored suit, I now went with a full suit tailored to me that I don't think looks anything like a Vitzig man or anybody else. And once I did that red one, I was like, I'm sold. I, this is my bi-monthly, you know, routine now is to go get a suit made. And, and it's, I love it. I love it. So, yeah, I think it was very important to get as far away as I could from Luke Harper. Um, and this was probably the way to do it also, but it was so stark. And so the contrast was so much, I, know I can't think of the word right now, but like, so it's just so different. Sure. I think people were thrown off by it for a long time and it took, and I think I was thrown off for, by it for a while too, and didn't really find my footing for a month or two in. You are Mr. Brody Lee and you're a badass on dynamite. Sure. Now let now let's go to Mr. Brody Lee on being the elite. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I mean, now, that's an entertaining thing because I've been involved in some of your stuff. <laughs> so uh, are, you which saying that, really... are you saying that my dynamite character is not entertaining? Is that what I'm too no, entertaining in a different way? Uh, yes. Thank okay, you. Okay, thank you okay. very much, Aubrey. You're not a bitch anymore. Thank you <laughs> no, for bailing me out I, of that. No, I'm, I'm bailing you out, Tony. <laughs> okay. This no, you're different. Intense, you're you're entertaining in different ways. <laughs> Yeah, I, I after the first few bits of BT hit and were successful, I I, I, w- I may have been heard to tell my friends that I was the best, most well-rounded professional wrestler in the world oh. at this current time. And I feel that <laughs> in-ring, in a serious promo, comedy, and just all around, I'm the best in the world right now. I mean... And I think BT and Dynamite prove it. Yeah, it's hard to be argued, man. I mean, exactly. Yeah, you are well well rounded. Yeah, a, a roll of papers has never been more terrifying or hilarious <laughs> than it has exactly. been in recent months. Yeah, hey, you got to keep people in line, and you know, different people have different tactics, and uh, you know, mine just happens to be very effective so far. Is there a certain <laughs> moment that like everything like clicked for you as far as like maybe the Brody Lee on Dynamite versus the Brody Lee on BTE? That's a great question. I think honestly. Uh, the promo I cut on Cody challenging him for the match the week after. Oh, the yelling the one in the uh, yes, where we did it in the hallway at Silver and Reynolds. There, I think I went in and and literally didn't. I had some thoughts in my head, and I said, you know what, I'm just going to go in. And it was Jess, of course, and she goes, well, "What do you have in mind?" I said, "I don't, I don't know, but I just want to. This is kind of how I want to present it, and whatever comes out comes out." And I think we did it twice. And she's like, are you happy? I was like, yeah. She's like, I was like, are you happy? She goes, yeah. Cause I trust Jess very much. And, uh, when the, it was shot and shown, I was like, man, that was so powerful because it was stuff that I believed in. It was things that were real to me. And I had people tell me like, man, we could feel you, what you're saying. Like you, you are so into it. And I was like, yeah, cause it's real. And so that was kind of the trigger. I was like, oh my God, I need to start understanding not to script out everything word for word. Cause I'll get lost. Um, but have these ideas in my head that I want to say, and then just go out and scream them and just intensity and passion. And it do, sometimes it doesn't matter what you say, but how you say it and learning that was very important to me. And then just the opportunity and the reps of getting it over and over and over. Like I crave TV time now where there was a time I was terrified of it where it was like, Oh, you have a 20 minute match. And then I knew, Oh, no problem. I'm good in the ring. But if they were like, Hey, you have a 10 minute promo. It's like, Oh shit. What do I do? Now it's like, I want that 10 minute promo. I, I crave it. So yeah, it, it, it hit and it feels good. I don't know the exact moment, but I feel like that promo with Cody and then the, the BT leading up to that was kind of the turning point to where we are now. Yeah. You do know, and I know you, you, you know, all the old schools 
stuff. But that was the way guys got over, and that was doing promos mm-hmm. and using the using themselves, being themselves, yep. or hundred percent not being scripted. Dusty Rhodes, yep. Ric Flair, Jim Cornette, Roddy Piper. You know yep. those guys. They just went out and talked. Yep. And that was the way, I mean, that's, that's really old school stuff. And that was kind of the thing that I was never given the opportunity to do the last eight years. And, and right. to my fault, I didn't master it. So I kind of threw some time away too, because I, I had, I had resources that I didn't use possibly. So when now it's like a second chance and it's like, there's no way I can give this one back. And it's like, okay, now it's time to step up or get the fuck out. We're talking with Brody Lee on AEW Unrestricted. Huge, huge impact you've had so far on Dynamite. We're going to talk a little bit more about your background. We're talking with uh, Brody Lee, who is uh, an instrumental part of the success of AEW right now. Exalted One, leader of the Dark Order. All-around good guy and well-rounded, as we found out from talking to him in the first segment. Not only from on being the elite, but... I don't know who's judging that other than me, but I'm, I'm, it's on the board and I'm counting it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I want to want to talk to uh, about your background, and we need to. Okay. But before I do, I want to I want to go back to just one thing. Touch on that you said earlier. It really had to be, and I, I think we touched on this when when you and I talked. Uh, we talked on our one hundred or the one year anniversary show. It had to be really disappointing that you were unable to make your debut in Rochester, New York. Yeah, it was. Uh, it shook me. Uh, it was heartbreaking, honestly. Every yeah. time I'd been to Rochester with WWE, it had been a literally a wonderful experience, whether it was I was in a dark match or whether I was in the main event, because I had done it all in Rochester. House yeah. shows, I'd been in the main, I'd been in the dark match before TV there. But no matter what, the people were happy. They were there. The advance to this AEW show was great, which gave me just huge confidence, because there, there was rumors, but nothing had been said. And, but people in Rochester knew that it was the time that I, my contract was free, and that it was serendipitous. And yeah, that day that it didn't happen where I think we talked about before where Trump had his address about COVID, Tom yeah. Hanks ha- said he had COVID and Rudy right. Gobert did the thing and the NBA canceled their season the next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was a week before, literally a week before you guys were in Salt Lake. Yep. Right. And I went to bed thinking, okay, you know, cause we've never been through anything like this. So who knew? So I went to bed thinking, ah, this feels okay, you know, they'll get it in control and everything will be fine. And then once the NBA season went down and the NHL started, and then it was just like, oh, my God, this is this is legit, a legitimate concern for everybody in the world. And, right. yeah, it, it sucked. <laughs> then, I, then, then I knew it wasn't happening. And that's where Tony said, look, we can do this at Daly's Place in Jacksonville. We're going to run here. He goes, if you don't want to, I completely understand. But I had been off TV, I think, for eight months and or maybe even a year at that point. I'm not even sure. But for a while off and on. And I was just ready to be a professional wrestler, like I talked about. And I didn't care what the situation was. Of course, after those first couple of appearances, I was like, man, this is very different because I watched the product. I watched AEW and you know, the crowds and just what a dream that would have been in Rochester. Sure. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Sure. Yeah. Well, someday. <laughs> yeah. You'll get your chance. You'll yeah. get your, because we were, we were going to have a, a gigantic crowd that night. That, that was going to be a big yeah. night for us. That anyways. was that night in New Jersey. The Blood yeah. and Guts cage was Blood the next guts. week, yes. So yeah. it was going to be a pretty awesome start. Uh, instead, I did it in front of Zero at Daly's Place. Yep. Right. Yeah, there were like two, maybe. <laughs> two, maybe. 13. 13. Yeah, 13. So, yeah. yeah. And though, no, I think great. now, though, like I've gotten so accustomed to it now. Um, 
it might feel weird when people are back in the stands. It might be too, there might be too much energy <laughs> happening because <laughs> we'll I'm fired up now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm bludgeoning men, you know, for a uh, bad pun. <laughs> as Vince, Vince literally named us that because when we asked, why did you name us that? He said, bludgeon, it's an action. You can feel it. And I literally just <laughs> use it as an action. You know, so, okay, he's right. Apparently it works. <laughs> Maybe I was the one who was wrong. <laughs> yeah the verb it's yeah. a verb okay let, let's let's go back and talk about your start you were a backyard wrestler along with your brother mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. also a uh there's a there's a young man named chris harrington that you may or may not know that also know participated him. in the backyard with me whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> wait a minute hold up wait a, hold minute. Up. Wait a minute that wimp took some bumps <laughs> not well <laughs> and not many Man, I got some stories when I see him next time. Okay. Oh, this boy. is going to open up many videos and pictures of old me to be put into the wilderness. So uh, this may have been a mistake by me. But, yes, that's where we started. Uh, this is not a mistake. This is not a mistake at all. Yeah, we did that. And then I think Chris's group with his group of friends actually had gotten a ring. And they invited me down to just be, you know, we were putting our own thing together. And from there, we kind of, we still weren't trained, but we then had a spot where we could run shows and we ran our own shows. It was like a karate dojo. The guy was very cool about everything. We had like maybe 150 seats in there. We used to Ooh. fill it up. Yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. So then when we kind of figured that out from there, we started to actually train. And then from there, I mean, I, I like to tell people I'm very poorly trained. And if you watch me wrestle closely, you can tell I'm poorly trained. My footwork's horrible. There's a lot of things that are just terrible that I do. But literally in the middle of training, we just kind of went on the road and figured it out from there. And that was probably yeah. 2003. Okay. Oh what was your uh, What was your first gimmick? <laughs> Huber Boy 2, which is my real last name. Um, and we were going to have a big group of Huber Boys. And it only ended up being me because my brother <laughs> turned out to be a referee and a chemist and uh never wrestled so uh, <laughs> i was hero boy two i had number twos all over me and yeah there was no number one he was a referee yeah did, did you wrestle under a mask as huber boy two uh probably at some point okay you, you did wrestle under a mask though right uh not regular okay i don't know where you're getting your information from tony i don't know if i can trust okay. you anymore that's from aubrey got it from her <laughs> bullshit okay fuck you tony <laughs> You were, you were also okay. Let's see if this one's correct Uh-oh. that we got from Aubrey. Uh, you were into tape trading too, right? Huge, huge. Oh, yeah. totally mine. <laughs> totally mine. Yeah. How did that start? How did that start for you? So it's funny now. We I just moved down to uh, Tampa, Florida, and in the move, we have these two giant bins of just VHS tapes. Yeah. And my wife's like, well, what do you want to do with them? And she, she could care less one way or the other. We have the space to put them in storage or whatever. And I, I used contemplated throwing them away and i could not bring myself to do it right just two giant bins of these tapes that i'll never watch that i have available everywhere else to me now but i just can't i just can't do it i don't know how it started somewhere around the point of ring of honor starting i think in 2000 maybe 2001 that's how the that promotion was built on tape trading and we kind of would get the hour of video catalogs and I was a big ECW fan. So then when these fan cams were available to me, I said, oh, well, let's try to watch the show this way. And then from there, I would buy like a Best of the Independence 2000. And Chris Daniels would be tearing it up, you know, like oh, in yeah. three different gimmicks, you know. And it was like, I was hooked, hooked. 
And then from there, it was just like you pick, you get these best ofs, and then you just pick the guys that you want, and you'd buy every Ring of Honor show. And then I was doing Ring Crew for Ring of Honor early with Dunn and Marcos. I'd travel up with them and the Carnage Crew and do Ring Crew for a lot of these real early shows. And like, I think that taught me how the business, like, not the glamorous part of the business, but the real shitty part of the business, was. And I was okay with it which is a key aspect of success in pro wrestling. Right. You kind of right. have to know how to yes. deal with the shit. We're told, I think Dr. Tom said, do you like the taste of shit? And you know, he goes, he goes, well, you probably should because you're going to eat a lot of it. And like, yep. that was his advice in getting into the business. That's actually true. pretty good. Yes, it's true. Yeah. But it, I mean, I can never, there's zero regrets. It was the best time of my life. Oh yeah. The, the amount of friends you make on right. like really shitty situations being <laughs> yes. on the indies. You're exactly. Like, These are the best times yep. of my life. Exactly. These are so great. Speaking of indies, you were a uh, Brody Lee on the indies before you got signed, correct? I was, I was 2007. Yeah. We were in a diner and um, I, I think it was lit from uh, special K sitting across from me. And he's like, we were trying to think of a new name for me. Cause I think hero boy two wasn't, very marketable as you No. I don't know. I disagree, <laughs> but <laughs> and he said, Boy, you look like um I can't think of his name now. Uh Brody Bruce in Mall Rats. Uh Jason Lee. Yes, Jason Lee. And he's like, You look you look just because I had n- kind of very trimmed down. And if I shave now I look like Jason Lee. And uh he said, You should be, you know, Brody Bruce's name in Mall Rats. So he's like, You should be Brody and then use his last name Lee. And I was like, huh, that's great. And Kevin Dunn from the Ring Crew Express will tell you that he was the one that had that conversation with me, but I believe it was Lit from Special K, so who gave me my name. So I think that was 2007, and then that's where I ended up in Chikara. I was just on a road trip with some with the Olsen twins, and Reckless Youth no-showed. It was a Sunday show, I think, in Hellertown. Reckless Youth no-showed a show, and uh, Mike Quackenbush looked over and he goes, hey, did you bring your gear? And I said, yes, I did. And that was how my, my super indie career kind of began. And that's where it started to like progress kind of then around the world and then Ring of Honor in 2009. Your first name, Brody. Mm-hmm. And you're just your, I don't know, the, the way you, the look in the ring, I guess, reminds us of Bruiser Brody. You realize that, don't oh, yeah. you? Oh, yeah. I mean, love him. I mean, that's one of the huge sure. tape was, I had so many of him, you know, all over the world. Uh, him and Terry Funk, right. him and Abdul, just so these crazy matches that I was in love with and right. I finally got to do one <laughs> two weeks ago. Sure. Do you ever had a chance to meet Terry Funk? I have, I've just very briefly at an indie show, uh, he was getting taken out to go back to the hotel and just very briefly got to say hi to him, but literally probably my favorite professional wrestler of all time. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, very cool. Damn. Yeah. Okay. Let's go through, uh, let's go through your uh, debuts or your, uh, some of your highlights 20 uh 2002 rock city wrestling debut yep i believe that was two believe that was 2001 and i only i only remember this because my father passed away in 2001 i debuted a month after he passed away and he never got to see me so it was a little heartbreaking but Mm. i don't want to be sad it's okay uh but that's how i remember it was 2001 because alex came up to me last week and he said hey you debuted on this day in 2003 i said I'm pretty sure I debuted in 2001. And then some research, he goes, yeah, you did. So yeah. The, Wait, um, that Alex was... Marvez got a stat wrong? Yes, he did. And I what? So you heard I it here first, folks, I'm guys. so sorry for stooging you off, Alex. Uh, He's a fraud. <laughs> but the Rock City Wrestling was the one that we kind of put together by ourselves. And it was like okay. a, 
almost a boxing ring. <laughs> so I probably mounted up some early injuries there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, yeah. We, we did, we would run monthly and Chris Harrington was also a member of that group. Mm. Man. <laughs> well, got a lot of, have, a lot of fodder for him. Oh, I can tell you that. We're going to have to have Chris Harrington on the podcast. I have a lot of <laughs> questions. I don't know if that'll work yeah. out for me. <laughs> no, it's like, why is suddenly Brody not getting booked on dynamite anymore? Who's he, he have he with? I don't understand. <laughs> Does he have that much power? Fuck. He no. like runs AEW. I He's know. Like I know. Essential guys. I know. That's, Bad for AEW, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in 2010, you went to Dragon Gate in Japan. Yep. So that's you ended a up funny... working with a yeah, fun story. Go. Uh, I was just gonna say. So I'm in WXW um, wrestling Bad Bones, and all the Dragon Gate guys had come over for a tour to WXW. And Bad Bones like, oh, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to do fucking everything. I want to do a Rana. I want to do all this crazy shit. He goes, why? I go because this is what these people like, and I'm very big and i think they'll like it so we did it and literally that night uh shima came up to me and he goes hey uh do you want to come to japan and i was like yes and then so went home like we had the contact and went to dragon gate and shima was couldn't have been a sweeter person human being to me like just a wonderful person um that's where i met ben pack um that's where i met trevor ricochet we all stayed together rich swan they were all so rich swan ricochet and pack were all on the same tours as me. And it's just insane to think of those three, the amount of talent just in the room that I was in. So absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's where I learned to almost keep up and not have a plotting um, methodical style almost, which I had to relearn when I came back, but like, that's almost and that's today's style. So I think I'm kind of, that's where I learned, started to learn it. Okay. So uh, you were signed uh, with the WWE and sent to developmental in 2012. Mm Mm-hmm. What was that experience like? So about six months earlier, I had been in contact with somebody there and um, was getting ready to go down for one of their tryouts. I broke my leg, uh, dislocated my patella, uh, lost my my shoot job. And then a week later, my wife told me that she was pregnant. Unplanned. (laughs) So... And it was mine, so it was okay. That was going to be my next question, but I didn't know if it was rude to ask. (laughs) Uh, So then the world was ending, you know, I don't, but then six months after that, they called me again and said, Hey, are you healthy? And I said, actually, yeah, just literally just got cleared. He said, Hey, can you come down January 1st? So my son's now scheduled to be born early January. Oh, yep. And so I'm traveling to Tampa from Rochester to do this week long trial. So my wife said, you know, no problem. Go ahead. So the baby did not come out. Uh, the week happened. And then January 17th, we're in the hospital having the baby. And John, that's when Johnny Ace called me. The phone breaks up. So I think, of course, I've ruined my entire opportunity at pro wrestling stardom. Uh, I don't have his number because it cut off. So I call Claudio and I'm like, oh, my God, do you have Johnny Ace's number? And he goes, yeah, here it is. Text it to me. I call him. I said, Johnny, I'm so sorry I missed your phone call. He goes, oh, no, no problem. He goes, hey, do you want to work here? And I said, yeah. And, yeah, got hired the day my son was born. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Great story. So it's pretty cool. Tremendous story. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, how the Wyatt family idea was presented to you. I don't know if either of you have met Bray Wyatt, but he is a very intense human being. And before, <laughs> before I was even hired, Claudio calls me and we never called each other. So I pick it up and he, he, I say, hey, man, he goes, hey, you know, we hear you, you might get I was just almost maybe getting signed at this point. Nothing had been signed. He goes, hey, but somebody wants to talk to you. He gets on the phone and it's a man I've never met, never spoken to, nothing. And he, for the next 10 minutes, 
rattles off these ideas of what the Wyatt family became. And then he goes, all right, man, I'll see you later. And then Claudio gets back on. And he goes, yeah, Bray, just, he really wanted to talk to you. He knew you were coming here. He just really wanted to talk to you. And I go, well, what happens now if I don't get signed? Is he going to be really, really upset? So, but literally everything he said was exactly what he wanted to present it that way. And I had just happened to fit in perfectly at the time. And I didn't change a thing from when I was on the Indies at that point. So is there anything that you had, uh, you had hoped the character would be that maybe. I thought it was a really great step into that world. I always hoped that it would progress from there and become an actual character. Um, we used to get asked all the time, like, well, what is, what is your character? And then I would point out how somebody else on the roster's character had been fleshed out through a series of feuds or storylines or things that they did on air, not just like, Hey, here's this character. He delivers cookies or whatever, like some stupid shit. That's a gimmick. So I always was of the, I thought hoped that it would flesh out somewhere from behind Bray to the forefront and it just never happened. All right. So now the Bludgeon brothers become a reality. You and Eric Rowan together. The crowd reaction was huge, positive for you guys when you first started. So what, what do you think happened? Yep. So literally every time that an idea for Mia Rowan would uh, come to fruition, it would instantly, and a singles idea, it would instantly be right. taken to a certain level and then be like, you know what? I think we're just going to put them back together as a tag team. And we did it three times and we were always happy to do it. The Bludgeon Brothers looking back was a very cool run. Mm-hmm. I think it's underrated because we never really had the big matches except for with the New Day and the Usos one time. So we never had those big matches that people could sink their teeth into. Sure. But as an eight-month eight run, it felt – it was awesome. And I don't know where it was going to go. Rowan got hurt, tore his bicep at the end, and it just kind of disintegrated everything. And, yeah, <laughs> I was sent home eventually. Okay. Well, bludgeon is a verb. <laughs> it's an action. <laughs> it's an action. It's an action, you an action can, word. You That's can exactly feel it. Right. You can feel it. Feel it. Okay. Said, sure, we man. do have a shit ton of fan questions <laughs> oh, from Mr. Boy. Brody Lee that we're going to get to here on AEW Unrestricted. Mr. Brody Lee, the exalted one of the Dark Order, is with us here on AEW Unrestricted. We have a few fan questions, but before we oh, get boy. into that... I thought it was a shit ton. A few. A it shit is. Ton. It's, it's, it's on the spectrum between okay. a few and a Fair. shit ton. Fair. So Good between save. Good save. two Good save. and a million. Well played. Well played. <laughs> So your your DMs on Twitter have always been open. Wide open. So before we get into the questions, has there any been like, what's the funniest, craziest oh, thing you've got? man, I don't know. I've had a couple, I don't know. Surprisingly, I don't get anything too crazy because I don't respond too much to the opening crazy. So if the opening's crazy, I'll kind of let that one settle. Um, I do, I, I say thank you a lot and, and stuff like that. But I never really engage too much. Um, I've had some hockey conversations on there, cool stuff like that. Uh, but honestly, nothing, which I open them up for the crazy. And it's it's been a little disappointing. And they're still open. I have 650 unread ones in there that I I scroll through a few each day. <laughs> I also have had, I have a lot of people send me the same stuff every single day that I oh, notice. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. I mean, so I put up the same thing every day. So I get how you can be mental like that, baby. <laughs> So, right. Yeah, I can't no, really fault them Tuesday, for that one. Yeah, I can't really fault them. They're just copying your gimmick, man. It right, really right. Works. But yeah, that's, I mean, it's a bad answer, but I nothing to, I, I'm almost, dis, like I said, I'm disappointed. So I'm sure when this comes out <laughs> and I say this, yeah, I'm going to get all the weird shit. All the dicks. I have zero, all zero, zero so far. You've got zero dick zero. dicks. John Silver tells me he gets... <laughs> 
Of I course, Silver would get dick pics. Oh, zero. Lord, we didn't need to hear that one. Okay. <laughs> Johnny, you know, no, of course he does. No. <laughs> And we're done. Okay. <laughs> this is AEW unrestricted, everybody. Yeah, I was gonna say I was yeah. told there's no no lines here. <laughs> no, no it's... that's right. So you mentioned Brody, you mentioned you're a big hold hockey on, fan. On, I one mean... more thing. I was tiptoeing around okay. that answer and then you made it very easy. Thank you. <laughs> sorry, sorry, go ahead. I don't know where to go next. Because I I wanted Let's to say I one. wanted to say, yeah, zero dicks, but I didn't know if I could get pull that off. No, it's zero dicks. I mean, we literally just got done recording with Anna Jay, and we're like, oh, yeah, we're talking about oh, dick my. pics, and now it like, shows up as a filter, and yeah, like, you have I, to tap it to actually see it. I feel like me and Anna Jay have vastly different DM material. <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> I, you would probably be right. <laughs> I would bet. <laughs> Money that you definitely do. <laughs> okay, have we settled down now? No. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> okay. So, Brody, yes. you're a big hockey fan. I'm a humongous hockey fan. Right. Uh, I'll segue for you. Me and my son just kind of went to the Tampa celebration in the arena. Um, it was a much, oh. it was a smaller one. It wasn't the big, the one at the football stadium. Yeah. It was the one in the Amelie. Um, but we were like 20 feet from the cup. Uh, Stamkos, the owner, and a couple other people spoke. And it was just a real cool thing to share with my son to be just to sit. Sure. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. You're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan? I am diehard. It's mm-hmm. been a very tough existence, tough go. 1993, they went on a run to the conference finals, and I fell in love with the team. And I've been a fan okay. I've been a fan ever since. And Doug Gilmore was like my hero growing up. I still, The number 93 is still synonymous with everything I do. It's in my email. Ooh. Oh, yeah. very cool. <laughs> so, that makes sense. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so they kind of – the Maple Leafs are very special to me, but literally the heartbreak – year after year is mind-numbing at this point. <laughs> That's how you know someone's a true fan. Yeah. You like cheer for a shitty team yes. after decades and you're still in it. And the thing about them is they're supposed to be good now. They have like some of the best players in the world, the young. Um, and I sat through the, the 10 to 12, 15 years of just misery. So now it's supposed to be the payoff and I'm not fucking getting it. So Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of payoff, let's finally get to some fan questions. Oh, shit. I get paid a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. We've got Chris561 on Twitter. Uh, are we ever going to get a dog in the Dark Order? Are you going to take Pharaoh from Cody? Yeah, to counter Pharaoh. I have two dogs, five cats, two feral children. Uh, <laughs> there's no telling who's going to come into the Dark Order. Um, just the whole I, barnyard behind yeah. you just with their little paws up. If I brought my dogs, it might not be as exciting. They're very lazy. So I don't know. But they're good dogs. But I, I mean, if I had my way, yes, I'd have a dog tomorrow. Four of them. <laughs> <laughs> like a I'm with you, buddy. Yeah, I just don't want to have to handle them at TV. <laughs> yeah. I want to be like I want to be like those rich people who have kids but don't take care of them. So I want to have all these dogs, but I don't want I don't want to take care of my TV, but they can come home with me. <laughs> A bad analogy. No, Boy, no, I had, a, I had a line there, but I'm going to stay away from it, man. I'm going to stay away from it. I had a real uppercut going to somebody, but I wasn't going to do it. Okay. Uh, Benjamin Porter, who is at Tingle is my hero on Twitter. Please ask Brody, do you know what this day means? I assume he knows, but I don't. Yeah, uh, that's the funny part about all of this. I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
it's caught on, right? <laughs> yeah, now we know what it means. It's became it's honestly become a bit of a self-reflection daily. And honestly, I stopped doing it after the, the dog collar match, and it feels odd to wake up and not do it. Really? But it's also freeing in a way. So I don't know which way I'm gonna go with it in the next few days. So when like when did that actually start? Like what was the impetus for that? Honestly, it become a countdown till my contract is over. Um, I was on I was on tour and I can't remember that I think I don't remember what country I was gonna say Chile but I don't think it was somewhere on tour and I literally had in my calendar you or you can go on Google and type in how many days until and I would do that like every five days to see how many days I had left in my contract and I would tell people like little things like that just to keep myself like it's coming I know it's coming and then they extended it and so then I moved back and stuff like that. And so then it just became that to remind myself like, Hey, this is going to, this isn't going to be forever. There's going to be another opportunity somewhere, whether it's here or not. And this is where you can pay this tweet off. And so, yeah, it just became, yeah. and then, like I said, it became a self-reflection thing daily of like, okay, who knows what it means? Not, like I said, not me. And here's the other problem I've given people ask me in interviews all the time and I've always given different answers. So people will bring it back up to me and I don't remember the answers I give. So, the truth is, I don't fucking know. <laughs> That's how the, most of the greatest things in wrestling work. Right. Like, I don't know. Right. I just right. something yeah. wanted right. to do. <laughs> All right. The electrode on Twitter asks: Do Dark Order members pick their own numbers, or are they assigned once they're joined? They're a hundred percent assigned. Anna J was the only one that I had a hand in. She's ninety nine because uh, Wayne Gretzky wore ninety nine. He was the great one. Mm-hmm. So is my nod to hockey. <laughs> how about that? Yeah, how about that? And I was very proud of that. Nobody gets it. Nobody cares except me. <laughs> that's all it's about, man. It's about yeah, and then, I thought it was. I, I thought it was from Get Smart. That, so that's Tony's thing. He thinks that or he want is the same play. That's where he gets it from. And I was like, no, no, it's right. Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> okay. Um, and Tony, as you may know, is a bit of a numbers guy. He has a hand in naming some of the others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a lot of a numbers yeah, guy. <laughs> so no, no one's no one gets to choose. Not in my group. Okay. Not in my fucking No, group. man. It's because you're the exalted <laughs> right. one. And also a few of, them, a few of them had numbers before I got there, so I had no no, no say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nick X Nothing on Twitter wants to know, if you could choose to add one wrestler from the past to the Dark Order, who would it be and why? Terry, Terry Funk. That's what I thought she would Terry say. Terry Funk. But I think the problem will be that he would eventually either kill me and I would not be the leader of the Dark Order anymore or... Yeah, I don't know if it'd be beneficial to me as the leader to bring him in, but that would be the one, a number one. Number two would probably be a Fit Finley, mm. a guy like that. Just just watching him, I've learned so much from him personally, and just I was a huge fan of his. You know, another guy who I tape traded for. I have multiple Fit Finley tapes, and which is weird when you work with him for so many years. To you know, it's just surreal still to me. Yeah. Such a, a, a mellow talking guy in the backstage area, but a real badass. Real badass. Like, <laughs> if I'm going to yeah. get in a fist fight and they say, anybody yeah. anybody in the world, I say, okay, well, where's fit? Yeah, absolutely. Got a question from B Money Daddy on Twitter. Oh, God. I love that. I, I think my favorite part of these fan Q&As is just reading the names. I was just going to say, <laughs> Nick Toxic 74. <laughs> XX, Stoner XX, <laughs> 69. <laughs> No dicks. Uh, 74. Dick 74. Sorry, 93. Tony. 93. Dick picked to Aubrey 75. 
All right, Big Money Daddy, what coaches have offered you advice or strategy over the years? And if oh one so uh, could many. be an advisor to the Dark Order. Yeah, uh, I think the one that I want is spoken for, uh, Mr. Arn Anderson. Literally like a father figure to me in my WWE run. I remember some of my first times in just at TV, not knowing what to do with myself at ringside, just awkward. And he would come over and just talk to me and then – once I think he realized that I could handle myself and, and I'm a great worker, that's, he then leaned into me even more. And I was told sometimes that he would put me over in these meetings and he'll tell you this, he would put me over in these meetings and he said it might've not been beneficial to me because he was so animate about it. But he saw, he said he saw something that was special and he's just such a sweet, genuine human being. I'll always get an oddly timed text from double just, saying the sweetest things like, you know, checking on my, my wife and kids and checking on me. He's just a yeah. wonderful man. Yeah. He's a good man. Yeah. Yeah. He really is. I did beat the shit out of him twice. And uh, my wife threatened to, my wife threatened to divorce me. Mm-hmm. She said, if you put your hands on double again, it's over. Well, <laughs> make it a third time for me. Uh, top rope squishy on Twitter says, how hard is this? <laughs> Sorry. Top rope squishy. <laughs> Top rope squishy. By the way, that's Maddie Anderson. All right. Thank you, Maddie, for this. Okay. They give their real names after top rope squ- I mean, come on, man. Sometimes on, they do. We give them. We expose them. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, this is a question we've asked of Anna Jay before. Uh, how hard is it to maintain your composure and not burst out laughing yeah. when filming being the elite? And are you <laughs> yelling at John Silver and Anna Jay is attacking Stu Grayson? Uh, man, it is incredibly hard if you've seen silver do one of these things live the shit mm-hmm. that comes out of his mouth is outrageous and just <laughs> things that i would have never even thought about he slapped tens titties around a week two weeks ago <laughs> and was mm-hmm. looking for milk and i turned around at, at this point and i said what the fuck have i become <laughs> I, I you're an enabler i considered I said, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't air this one. And then I said, you know what? <laughs> yes, we should. <laughs> I think he. I think that's like where the Johnny Hungy T-shirt yeah. came from. So now uh, you're making the boy yeah. money. Who knew? Who knew? But to be fair, I think we've only done a multiple take. I want to say twice. Ooh. So usually those are straight run-throughs, and you. I mean, people yeah. crack throughout the bit. Usually when I'm cracking, I step back behind Brandon while he's filming, and so they can't see me laughing. But even if you see Anna Jay up in the corner, she's laughing. Reynolds is laughing. Mm-hmm. Uno has his mask, so he's okay. Stu, that motherfucker can keep it together. And he's, he, he, I don't know how. Oh, God. All right. Uh, the prestigious Johnny Boy, Juanito Beans on Twitter. <laughs> wait, wait. Juanito Beans. Wait, what? <laughs> That's Juanito underscore Beans. Yes, okay. correction. Thank you for that. Okay. <laughs> uh, so when you went to AEW, who was the one that you marked out for more when you appeared at your debut was there choices i don't know oh no just well, it's an open-ended question who i marked out for yeah tony Schiavone. did anyone mark out for you like either I mean, <laughs> a true legend in the business tony Schiavone. tony do, i i i'll just take this minute to answer this question this way because i don't have a good answer for that one uh do you ever sit back and just think about how much stuff you've seen and witnessed in professional wrestling do you ever like, like and this is a legitimately honest question because i was watching you I, I can't remember what year it was doing an in-ring interview. And I was like, my, just the amount of history you've witnessed. 
Have you yeah. ever, the, does it ever dawn on you or like, how do you <laughs> No, Because you, Brody, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff has just kind of gone in one, one ear and out the other. Uh, but I, I can tell you this, I do sit back sometimes and think about all the stuff I missed. Yeah, I really do. And, and I, and I regret that. I regret not following it Yeah, because after you started working with us, uh, I didn't realize I you were part of, the, I didn't realize, you know, your history. So you're saying after, went back and saw, after 2000 or yeah, okay. after 01. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that's how I regret. Were you, but, were you just, but so, no, were you sour to the business at that point or? No, I wasn't sour to the business. I just tried to do something else. That's all. I got you. But anyway, I just I appreciate it. makes you it even better that. that you came back now in AEW and like this huge, like yeah. that makes it even cooler to me. Yeah. I, I think it's all cool, but I appreciate you saying that. And uh, it's mind blowing. We've had a good, we've had a good time. I mean, we had, yeah. uh, we've had a great time working with you, even though I do need to say this, <laughs> Uh-oh. when, when, <laughs> when, uh, when you won the belt mm-hmm. and I think I came in the ring yep. to interview you, yep. Absolutely. you did grab me. You were pretty stiff when you grabbed me. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? Son? That's so big strong. <laughs> what did I do? Slightly gassed up and like just a little <laughs> yeah. worked up at that point. Yeah, you just won a <laughs> You were pretty worked up. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Uh, but you, a hard time. You, you gave me some wonderful advice that night. Yep. And I'll never forget yep. it. So what was the advice? Okay, good. I'm not going to tell you because you don't deserve to know. Why don't I? <laughs> <laughs> no. So um, I have a horrible habit of, and this is new to me because doing promos again, like I talked about, this is new to me. And doing right. one where a, a, an interviewer comes in the ring in a very intense situation where I'm going to be ranting and raving, it's all new to me. So what I was doing is I was going to find the microphone. So if the microphone was down here, I'd lean in and find it as opposed to letting Tony bring it up to me. And mm-hmm. it was such a little thing. And honestly, AEW's production team saved me because if you look back, they come so tight on me when I'm right. talking, you can't even tell that I'm bending over and it, it's masterful. Right. So when people talk about like, yeah, we're these great professional wrestlers, man, these production are making us this otherworldly superheroes and th- just a little tiny thing like that people would never even think about. I wouldn't even have thought about right. it. But after you mentioned it to me, I went back and watched it and I was like, my God, they saved me. And it's just so well done. Yeah. What I mentioned to him, Aubrey, and, and I've done this to a lot of guys, <laughs> Cody's another one. I says, stand up straight. You're yep. big, you're strong. Let my, let me bring the microphone yep. up to you. Don't hunch over. Mm-hmm. Yep. And like you said, like if, especially in a promo like that, where I'm supposed to be this domineering, you know, powerful, right. you know, badass all of a sudden, when I'm standing up tall, it's going to look so much more appealing, yeah. you know. So, yeah, I, I get it. And I just Intimidating. <laughs> yeah. wasn't thinking about it. Damn. Right. Yeah. The first interview that we ever did live on on Dynamite was me and Cody. And I remember telling Cody that day, I said, stand up straight and do the interview. Mm-hmm. And he didn't. Yeah. And I just Tucked grabbed him. him by the elbow and, and squeezed the elbow. <laughs> and he knew to stand up straight. It. So well, I'll never forget it. I'll never, Good. I'll never find a microphone again. Find me. There you go. Cause that's a whole other I'll thing. Buy you, buddy. Next time I'm going to hold her way yeah, down. Yeah, I'm going to be like, come on, Tony, stop ribbing me. <laughs> uh, but that's a whole nother thing is it, it is. This is such another little minute detail, but like if, if you're a star, you let these people come to you and talk sure. to you. You don't go, you don't need to find them. I don't need to, you know, so that's just a little, kayfabe my new detail that i that you made me think about right it's fascinating I, <laughs> all right i never deal with any of this shit because i just stand in the back and try not to get hit so <laughs> you deal cool. with a lot of other crazies you deal with all the crazy people i have to deal with one a night you have to deal with all of them i don't have eh, sure not all of most them. of them most of them most of them I, I had to deal with billy gunn i'm tired of his bullshit <laughs> wow. who isn't okay 
I know. All right. So, so <laughs> is it my turn to ask one? Yes, I, I guess I am. Wolfinus Finster. Wolfinster on Twitter. Wolfinster. Not that I mind the beard, and I know why you've got one, okay. but I'm curious as to when we will see mm. your face again. My God. Uh, <laughs> my God. It's a great. <laughs> It's a great question. Uh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. My kids wouldn't recognize me. My wife likes it at this point. I don't know. There you go. Uh, that was the, the main hurdle to begin with, but I don't I don't know. I like it. I got it trimmed way down for my debut and it was mm -hmm. it was strange even then. So I don't I I don't know. Someday, someday. When I'm booking dynamite in 2030, maybe I won't have a beard. You're not ripping this okay. out of Tony Khan's hands. <laughs> oh, he, he, he can still have final say. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of beard, segueing to the next question, uh, Drastic Fantastic on Twitter. Uh, do you have any facial hair uh, products that you would recommend? Zero. Zero. I use none. And I feel like they're not necessary. Because, I mean, maybe mine's not groomed to the best of its ability. But I also feel that a beard shouldn't be completely neatly trimmed and groomed it should look like this and this is this is a you know a definition of my personality as well or some shit i don't know yep no it is <laughs> i get poetic. it even for another weird character thing i'm this well-dressed corporate boss but when the bell rings i still have this thing and these wild eyes and it's just little things like that where to separate the characters got it great answer <laughs> and the right answer too by the way <laughs> thank you I've had so many things sent to me, you know, beard care. I, never, never. Yeah. Well, there you go. Hey, Brody, thanks, man. Hey, thank you, guys. This is a blast. This is awesome. It's it's great having you with us, honestly. It was, it's just, I love it. I was so excited that I found out you were coming in. Uh, and I think it's great. You've, you've been a big part of what we're doing. I love it, man. It's been refreshing to me. I, we talked about on the other podcast, Ben. This has been life, saved my life, you know, as my career, I guess, you know, save my career. So, Sure. This is wonderful. Yeah. Your positivity is, is, <laughs> I mean, it knows no bounds. It's just like seeing how much like happiness you exude backstage. It's, it's wonderful. Yep. Don't tell it. my wife. <laughs> Wouldn't dare. Sure she doesn't listen to this. <laughs> Wouldn't dare expose she, the gimmick. She is, she's baffled. <laughs> she's baffled that people like me. I think, I think it's because I have just such sick charisma and, you know, <laughs> magnetability. Like it's just, I don't know, you know, she doesn't get yep. it. But I said, you must get it because you married me. So Yeah, exactly. There, there you go. There you go, lady. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you Absolutely. tell her, Tony. <laughs> I will. <laughs> well, thank you, Brody. Thank you For those you listening, much. you can follow Brody Lee on Twitter, this Brody Lee. Subscribe to AEW Unrestricted Podcast for free wherever you get your podcast. New episodes every Thursday morning. And you can check out video versions of the podcast on YouTube. Just search mm. for AEW Unrestricted. And tune into AEW Dynamite Wednesdays, 8 o'clock, 7 central on TNT. My name is Tony Chavon. I'm Aubrey Edwards. I'm Brody Lee. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Unrestricted. Woohoo!